Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tweet the Leader New Podcast, where we chat about realistic leadership theories. And today, you're in for a treat. We're here to have an important conversation with the amazing Renee Eden. I met this amazing leader um, this week of the week of the... What is the week of... What is today's date? I think today's date is the 20th. The 20th. So, the week of the 16th of... No, October, not November, October. Um, so, Renee, Eden, Renee, how are you? Thank you for coming on to Tweet the Leader New Podcast. I am doing great. It's Friday. I get to talk to you. Um, and like you said, we met earlier this week and we just hit it off. And I just love your energy and I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much, Renee. I, I really, like I said, we talked this week. I really enjoyed your conversation there's something about emotional connection in the workplace that spot me on when we had that conversation. And I'm so happy that we're talking about this because I feel that it's, it needs to be talked about. It needs to be addressed. I mean, it needs to be connected and approached into today's society, into today's working force and stuff like that. And so I'm really excited to talk to you. But before we get into the conversation, tell us about yourself and the work that you do. Okay. Well, my name is Renee Eaton. So check number one. Um, I have been uh, involved in leadership and team training for almost 18 years now. So a really long time. And on top of that, I've been an employee for, you know, 20 plus some years now. So and a human being. So at all of those levels, I have been very much involved in understanding emotions and engagement and what gets people kind of inspired to come in and do their work and to feel good when they leave it. Because as far as I'm concerned, if your work consistently makes you feel bad or worse than you started out the day when you reached the end of it, then that's not just a bad day. That ends up being a bad job. And when people end up in bad jobs in those ways, it makes it a lot harder to not only do great work, but feel great about yourself as you're going through and doing that and really reaching your potential. So what my focus is, is I look at the F word in the workplace. So most people are like, oh, the F word. And it's not the one you think, (laughs) but we probably use the bad one more often in our workplaces than we talk about feelings. And so I talk to people about the emotional culture of our workplaces. So what are people... Uh, experiencing in their feelings and their emotions every day when they come into the workplace. And that includes the emotions that we feel are safe to express and the ones that we feel like we have to repress. So those ones that we have to hide, those ones that we can't show. And this is an area that is pretty much kind of overwhelmingly ignored in workplaces. We sweep them under the rug. We tell people it's business. It's not personal. We tell people to leave it at the door and we cannot do that. That would be like taking a piece of yourself out and going in. So we're not terminators. You know, we have to go about our work as emotional human beings. So that's what I I work with, with teams and leaders and organizations. I love the work that you do, Renee. I feel like we need more of this in the workplace because I'm a passionate individual and I bring my passion into the workplace. And if my passion is burned out um, emotionally, sometimes I, I, I don't know if it's okay to share that or sometimes if it's, if it's good to share that because sometimes, oh, they're too emotional. Oh, they cannot handle the job. Oh, they cannot handle the load of work or the task. Yes, they can handle the work, but balance is key in the workplace. And 
I, I'm going to start that question off. What does balance mean to you when you teach this approach to emotional um, connection? Yeah. And I think I, I love that. I love how you're talking about the, the way that you feel emotions and, and you work with emotions. And a lot of times we talk about controlling emotions. Mm. And, I, and I think we get into trouble when we talk about controlling them. Like we can just like put this one in this box and we can put that one in that box. Or as an organization, yeah. we can tell people this is emotionally how you should show up. And you can't do that. The emotional culture is driven by lots of different things. And I think that's what makes people so so much want to just set it to the side because it's difficult. You can't just like our vision and our mission, which would be cognitive culture, we can just write them down and post them on a wall and be like, hey, this is how you should be. Emotions are very individual. But the thing is, is learning how to use them wisely. So not so much controlling them, but understanding they're there and that we can have influence on them. So when we try to ignore them, they don't go away. What ends up happening is we let them unduly influence us. So we let them work in the background and just pretend they're not there. So even when we talk about rational thinking, when you think about what being rational is, it's just going about your work in a calm manner. Like that's still an emotion. So even when we try to, we can't separate rational and emotional. They're, they're two sides of the same coin and we can utilize them that way. A lot of it comes down to just understanding that emotions are always going to have an impact on you. So can you recognize them? Can you understand the thoughts that are behind them? So a lot of times our emotions are swayed by just our, the stories we're telling ourselves, the beliefs we have, the thoughts we're having. So when we feel something, so for example, if we feel something like anger, which is a common emotion in workplaces, whether we're able to show it or not, generally people feel angry when they feel that they're being treated unjustly or when they um, think that something's getting in the way of them being able to achieve a goal or a boundary has been crossed for them. So when we can say to ourselves, oh, that's why I'm feeling angry, what do, what is it that's making me feel like I'm being treated unjustly? And then we can assess that and go, oh, well, that actually really isn't the case. Like when I think about it, the anger is going to start to go away a bit. Or if it really is the case, then we can take some action to address that but we can do so clearly because we have it now clearly set out as to i feel like you've crossed a boundary with me or i feel like you treated me in a way that i shouldn't be treated or this is getting in my way here and i need it removed so that i can meet my goal so it's just about really understanding emotions are data so what they're information that we can use in order to have better relationships communicate better with one another be more productive in the work we do um so it's just about building our recognition of them being able to label them properly a lot of times we just say you know like i'm feeling bad okay (laughs) there's a lot of emotions that could be assigned with feeling bad so like what is it like even anger are you feeling really angry or you just feel like irritated yeah. Like there's a big leap between those. So the more granular we can get with our emotions, the more clearly we can understand what type of sway they're having on us. Oh, definitely. And I feel like that anger piece, a lot of people stand to keep anger into that, into a colleague that they, uh, that they did something to them like two years ago. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and that anger is still there. They, and, and they haven't resolved that that issue. What tip do you have for those type of employees or those type of managers who would do that to their employee, um, who would actually just not have that conversation and requires communication? Yeah. What would you say to well, that? Well, and, and 
things like that. Like, I love that you brought up that example because I was just writing a blog this week on the idea of social rejection. And the fact is, is, is when we feel that we've been mistreated or, or we've been rejected from a group, which is sometimes why we feel angry, it's very long lasting. Um, our brains are actually programmed that we feel social rejection in the same part of our brain that we feel physical hurt. So if someone, you know, a whole sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's total lot. You know, <laughs> those words hurt a lot and remember them a lot longer. So yeah. even just bringing up the memory. Yeah. of those instances can still cause just as much pain as yeah. the initial event took place. So this is why it's so important that we're, we're very conscious yeah. of the feelings that we ourselves are feeling because they'll impact us long-term, but also our actions and how they may impact the people around us because we are emotionally contagious beings. We pass emotions on to one another. So if I come into work and I'm in a pretty grumpy mood and, and I talk to you Templeton and you look, you're watching me, what we end up doing is the whole smile and they'll smile back at you. We mimic one another's facial expressions and tone and nonverbal behaviors and then we actually feel the feelings that correspond with those. So it's really easy for an emotion to track through an entire team, especially if you're the leader. Because as a leader, you're the one that people look at most. Right. The eyes are on you most of the time and people take their cues from that. So if I'm very anxious about something that's happening in the organization or a change and I'm talking to my team about it, that anxiety spreads through the entire group very quickly and very easily. Ah, anxiety, anxiousness, um, way of expressing. I feel like when you're, when you're in the workplace, expressing yourself is, is, is something that a lot of people say, I'm expressing myself, but sometimes they're very loud. And so, so when expressing yourself, what should you be thinking about when you're, when you're talking to the next person? Because they are, they are, they are formed and um, they should be, able to share their emotions as, as well to, to how they feel about what you said. So what if the person is very loud and just expressing themselves very loudly yeah. and you, you're not able to hear that person because of what they're saying loudly and shouting at you? How do you feel? Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, and that's I, just it. Is that we all have an impact on one another. And, and yeah. when we talk about like expressing your emotions, we're not talking about like throwing them up all over everybody else. <laughs> you know? Because like we said, like that's, that's it's overwhelming, right? And so each one of us has that responsibility as to what type of impact we're going to have. But that's not to say that we shouldn't be able to say, you know, look, I, I'm getting frustrated because this seems to be taking too long or it's too difficult and it's impacting me in this way. Yeah. I'm not coming up to you and saying, hey, Templeton, all of this stuff that you're doing, it's just making me so angry, you know? But if we can have a conversation about, I am feeling anger because this thing, these things are happening here. What can we do to work together to change that? And for the person that is shouting and you're on the receiving end of it, yeah. I think the important part is in those moments is to be curious about what, not necessarily about, but, but getting to the underlying as to why they're feeling how they're feeling. So to be curious about what stories are they telling themselves that are leading them to feel these things? Um, what are the needs that may be being unmet that is creating 
these types of intense emotions? Or what beliefs or values is that person holding that is causing them to react in this way? So curiosity to me is the most, and it also is an emotion, it's the most valuable tool or emotion that we can use because it kind of takes us outside of ourselves so that we're not in the reaction mode. What we want to do is be able to respond, not necessarily react. So even being able to pause or take what's... um, um, oh, his name's going to completely shift by me right now. Um, but he has a great book called Permission to Feel. Uh, it'll come to me later. It's Mark. I know his first name is Mark. But he calls it a meta moment. And it's just taking that pause to be able to go. Because if, if you're if you're expressing, we'll go back to anger. If you're expressing a lot of anger at me, my default will be to mimic you. It will be to match what you're bringing at me and now we're just both going to be angry at one another but if I could take that meta moment to pause and be curious as to what's causing these feelings for you not necessarily just to react then we can better address that situation wow I feel like that's a good method I feel that 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 connects in the relationship and in the workplace (laughs) (laughs) yeah I do that with my kids all the time like I heard this phrase ages ago when they were little that yeah. always said you're supposed to be the calm to their storm. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. you're not supposed to meet their storm with your storm. And it's always stuck with me, you know, like be the calm to their storm. Because when you're calm, yeah. it will influence that other person to be calm as well. Because again, we match one another, right? We're we're contagious that way. Yeah, definitely for sure. I like that the curiosity um, is really good and that reflection of okay, what what's going on and how can we um better communicate or better, better better have this or reframe the conversation and i'm still learning that oh yeah <laughs> as perfect, i'm still learning that as we as we uh, make that emotional connection and stuff like that um and being <laughs> being able to be curious um in the midst of them expressing themselves even if they're loud but say okay tyler this is not about you right now yes. i have to like literally hold your yourself in and sometimes that hurts that hurts mm-hmm. so hard <laughs> so hard for you to actually hone in while they're expressing themselves like oh oh like i don't i don't like that but it's it's their way of talking or a way of of sharing their passion and being able to respect that well and i think that's what makes it so hard on people like we talk about these soft skills like they're easy things they're very hard like there's a lot of there's a lot of emotional labor that comes in and it's taxing you know if you're not used to doing that it takes a lot of energy and it's really hard so that can make people frustrated by the whole process and not want to do it yeah so you're exactly right that it's like a lifelong thing and and it comes down to you know even like empathy right building up the skill of being able to feel empathy to one another and not letting it overwhelm you because empathy can be great when we want to reach out and we want to help people yeah. But empathy can also overwhelm us so that we want to disconnect from people because it's just too much. Yeah. Like it's too much to feel all of the things or think about all of the things they're feeling. So then it becomes um, empathic distress. Yeah. So we want empathic concern where we're compassionate towards people and we want to help them. But if we don't have that ability to, you know, tone down our feelings or are um, overwhelmed towards them, then it's just going to make us want to not be around them. Yeah. Wow. I'm curious, how can employers be open to this approach? What's your recipe when mm-hmm. to them about, about um, using this approach into their organization? Yeah. Well, one of the things that we do is we actually uh, map the emotional culture. 
So, you know, we, you have lots of sessions where you see leaders and teams come together and they're like, okay, let's, let's design our mission and our vision, or let's talk about what, you know, values exercises that we're going to have in our organization. You see organizations run these, you know, amongst all of the people where they get together and they map out, these are the values that are most important to us. What we want to do is we want to find the emotions that underlay the culture. So it could be, it's, it's, it's great to do it at a team level. Because every team has a different emotional culture depending on the work that they're doing, but it can even be done at an organization-wide one. So you go in and we, I would run exercises with them to identify what are the top five emotions that you need to feel as a team to be most successful in the work that you're doing. So is it the fact that you need to feel supported or appreciated or included or that your work needs to be fun due to the nature of what you do? And then what are the top five emotions that you know you're going to feel from time to time, but you don't want to feel too often because they're going to take away from the work. The thing is, is we know that it's not going to be, you know, smiles and sunshine all the time in the workplace. There are occasionally going to be emotions that we're going to feel that aren't so great, that can take away from our work. So what are the ones that are going to um, detract us from being our most successful And then what we do is we say, hey, here's the ones that we need to be successful. What do we need to do to generate more of them? So what are the rituals that we can do? What are the activities? What do they look like when they're happening? So how do we see them and recognize them in one another? And we do the same ones with the undesired ones. So what are the things that we can do to manage and cope with them? We want to address that. These things are sometimes going to happen. And maybe we see if we see a high number of them, then we can track them too. We can... We can work on a, a weekly or monthly basis of saying, hey, how, how are we seeing these things appear in our work? Yeah. What do we need to do to shift? What do we need to do to adjust? So you actually take control. And again, we start using emotions wisely. We start using them to say that it's not just arbitrary things that people are going to feel all over the board, but instead we're going to decide this is what our team needs. And I always usually started out at an individual level. So individuals get to decide what are the ones that they need to be most successful. So it really is an eye opener to see the variety of feelings that different people that are important to them. And so I know, you know, if I'm talking to you, one of your big ones is feeling appreciated. Then as a team member or a leader, I can help you feel that way a little bit more. Or you can seek out the things that you need to do to manage the ones that might be harder for you. Yeah. I did this with my husband. And when he picked his undesired ones, I was like, oh, that's good. Now I know what the triggers are. (laughs) Well, and that's actually good because starting from the individual approach is really good because it gets gets you thinking, it gets you reflecting on on, on what are those areas that that you seek towards, but what are the areas that you struggle to to actually bring those emotions um, to pass. So that's really interesting. I really like that approach. It's really, it's really good. Yeah. What do we need to use the emotional connection approach in the workplace? Like that open mindness, I know it's some, something, but also welcoming, the welcoming atmosphere of experimenting or experiencing that approach in, in, in the workplace. Yeah. Yeah. A big part of it is, um, well, psychological safety, right? And psychological safety in the first place really comes from even having some of these conversations. So a lot of it is making space, time, and permission to actually have conversations around emotions. So when we actually put, you know, a pin in them and we put them at the top of the priority list, 
as saying this is important that we have these conversations and we talk about them even doing uh things like uh, i the tool that i use to help people and i know some people are on audio for this so they won't see this is called the emotional culture deck and it is this awesome awesome little deck of cards and they're just all emotions so they're just words on cards and they give people also an emotional vocabulary because we don't have like i said earlier we don't always have a lot of words and so this is a tool that people can easily get their hands on and it's a lot harder sometimes to actually think of the words that you want to use to describe how you're feeling but when you can look at a set of cards or um people maybe have seen the emotion wheels if you type in emotion wheel or feeling wheel in google you'll get this wonderful wheel that's just filled with emotions yeah. and it's an awesome resource to go oh that's the one that's the one i'm feeling right now to not have to just, you know, talk to people because it can be vulnerable initially talking about it. But a great way to start talking about them is an activity called the retro check-in. Mm. So at the beginning of the week um, or at the end of, usually maybe better at the end of the week, but little ways to check in and say, you know, okay, we're going to go around the room. And if you were using the feelings wheel or the emotional culture deck, pick one motion that most effectively sums up how the week was for you. Mm. So just pick one. And then everybody tells a little story about why they picked that emotion. So we get a feel right away as to how the week went for everybody. And so you can do one positive or desired emotion, so one of the good ones. And then you can also do one of what we might see as more of an undesired one. So, you know, this is the emotion that kind of summed up the the bad side of my week. And then we tell a little story about it. So we already start to pick up on how people are feeling and what's been going on for them. And we also start to understand maybe what their needs are or what their values are based upon those conversations. And, you know, that storytelling part actually gives other people to think, oh, I'm not perfect. I I, I, I don't have it all. It gives that vulnerability and that, and that empathy, like you say, to empathize with each other um, once telling the story and being real um, and, and stuff like that. And it takes time because some yes. people may not, may not be that open to share at first, but then once they it, it becomes like a routine at the organization, people might go deeply into the sharing more and yep. being able to, to do that. Um, that's that's so important. How will this approach affect productive workflow in the workforce? Um, this 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 is I think about that as well when when connecting in the organization and being able to be so emotionally attached, but emotionally connected with each other. How will this approach affect um, in a positive way um, productively in the workflow of the organization? Yeah. Well, emotions pretty much impact everything. (laughs) So when you have a strong emotional culture, you see better teamwork, you see better communication, you see people who are more productive, uh, you see people who are more creative and innovative, uh, you see higher performance in organization, impacts things like even your financial performance. So generally happier, more positive teams and organizations have higher financial performance. When you even talk about the concept of burnout. So when you look at the, the key aspects of burnout, overwhelm, cynicism and negativity, and a lack of feeling effective or having any accomplishments. Those are all feelings. So even like the high levels of burnout that we're seeing in people right now are being driven by their feelings towards their workplace. So generally, a more positive workplace is going to consistently be a higher performing workplace. And it's going to be a workplace that has happier, more engaged people. So when you're able to tack into those things and actually start using them in a way that's productive, you're going to see a better workplace, what I like to call a human-friendly workplace, one that meets the needs of both the business and the people. 
I like that. Um, that approach is really good. Um, and it's really productive for sure. Um, and I, I like that. Can, I know that you share time with, about using this approach with your husband. Um, but <laughs> share time that you would use this approach personally. Um, whether with your, I know you talked about your children. Um, how did they react to this approach? Um, my kids my kids are 12 and 14 I have two girls they have uh I've I've used this I've I I as I said when we had our earlier conversation I used this with my daughters my older daughter's basketball team last year and it was a great exercise for them and I think that really opened my husband helps coach their team I really think that helped open his eyes towards emotions more so as well um he's an engineering leader so engineers are notoriously you know robots when they go about doing their thing. So I think it really opened his eyes towards it. And the girls really connected with it. Um, my kids are probably sick of me <laughs> talking about emotions. Because <laughs> I'm always like, how did that make you feel? And what do you think you need to feel in this situation? But I see them. I see them taking it and using it later on. Like I see moments when they apply it. And I'm like, okay, that's that's good. They're, they're listening. Even if they roll their eyes at me while I'm talking about it. But even in like in our work itself, like one of the things that um, like I used to do a lot of trade shows. So I used to go to, you know, your typical business trade show events. And one of the things that my coworker and I used to chuckle about is that trade shows can be very boring. You know, it's just a bunch of people standing behind tables. Some will come up, they'll talk to you. Um, kind of very boring, all of the same backdrops. And so we would approach it almost like it was a carnival. So we were the most hyped booths you would come by. You know, we would be out in the aisles and we would be pulling people in. We'd have all of the colors that were available. We'd have these, we'd have candy and handouts. And the idea was to really create a really positive emotional culture just around our booth like we wanted the climate that made people smile and look at us and want to come in and join us and we would have like a huge crowd around us but it was because we were bringing that positive emotional energy to it and then people wanted to be part of that as well so that is like one of those ways where you can you know like pump up your own energy and attract people to you and that they want to hang out with you in those moments and you create this more if people are in a positive generally people are in positive emotional states they tend to be more open so they tend to be open to new ideas they tend to um their their mindsets are wider and this allows them to build more skills and abilities it allows them to take more risks and it allows them to try out new things and that then builds additional resources and it helps us in the long run. So when we can bring that positive nature to even our work, so going into meetings and being, you know, trying to be in that good mood so that we positively influence the people around us so that they're going to be more open to us. So those are the types of things. Like I, I use it with my family all the time. I try to be a positive force. Um, but sometimes people also need to have the freedom to also just be down. Yeah. You know, there is value in some of those emotions that we might classify as negative. There's really no good or bad emotions. They all serve us. You know, we wouldn't want a world where people never felt angry because then we'd have a bunch of doormats all of the time, right? Like people need to feel the whole range. There's value in sadness. Um, I I would appreciate if the person doing my taxes maybe felt a little bit of anxiety, making sure that the numbers were right. You know, you don't want mistakes to be made. Like they all serve us in their own unique way. It's just, again, making sure that we're applying them wisely and we're understanding the impact they're having on us and the people around us. I love that. I feel like that's really important. Um, That's a really good thing because 
a friend of mine told me, say, Tali, sometimes you have to sit with your emotions, you have to yes. sit with yourself, and you have to sit with it, be able to reflect. And then I was like, why? I don't want to sit with my emotions. That was like the first time someone told me that. Like, so, and, and like that was like mind-blowing to me. It's just sit in your emotions, be there, figure out what's going on, figure out why you're feeling this way, and then talk about it later on and, and be able to express yourself in, in that way. Um, and so, yeah. You have to feel them, right? Sometimes you have to invite them in for a cup of tea. Yeah. And have a little conversation with them. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, that's great advice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A cup of tea. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I say another thing. The atmosphere you set sets the tune yeah. to how the conversation is going and how you want the conversation to go. In, in exactly. Depth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Renee, I really appreciate this conversation. I feel that you've enlightened us about this emotional approach, and I'm definitely going to be learning more about this approach because I would love to use this in our organization and be able to help our future employees be able to say, hey, you can come as yourself. Come as yourself. And I feel like that's what organizations need to to know. Yes, you bring your skills, your, your experiences, your assets, and your degrees and everything, Become as yourself. Bring yourself. Don't bring the the, the fake person or the, or the person you want to hide away. Be true. Be authentic. Be respectful and and be yourself in in all of that way. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Well, thank you for having me. This is this yeah. is great. Yeah. Yeah. But before we go, you're not gonna go without oh, no. a quote or tip or saying oh. to help inspire our people to move forward. As they go into their weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, this is hard. Okay. Um, so I came up with a quote, the only one that I've ever come up with in my entire life that I, I try to live by. And it is funny enough based around our emotions. And that was before I got into this stuff. And it's um, uh, whether or not you decide to dance should be based upon not your skill as a dancer, but your enthusiasm for the song. So that's kind of the approach that I've taken that if I'm, if I'm enthusiastic about something and I think it's um, something that I connect with, I shouldn't let my current skills or what I'm currently am get in the way of going and just trying it anyways. Ah, so dance, so dance and be able to know that the, you, you'll be, you'll be, you might miss a rhythm. You might miss a beat. But... <laughs> yeah, you're a step on beat. That's right. <laughs> enjoying it. What's enjoying it? That's what matters. Yeah. To Don't me. deprive yourself from that. Don't deprive yourself from that. Renee, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Um, audience, listening audience, I hope that you dance. I hope that you continue to be your true self. Be your authentic self. Don't allow someone to dictate who you are. Allow your emotions to, to connect with others, be able to create space and be able to allow people in to talk, to have conversations. Because once you have a conversation, it goes a long way. Until next time, I will see you at the next episode. Mm-hmm.